There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. The Joyce Kaufman Podcast is being brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com. They were there, and that we know. We know this week that we have to add three names to those soldiers who were lost fighting for freedom, even if it's not our freedom in particular. The Defense Department said Sergeant William Jerome Rivers, age 46, of Carrollton, Georgia, along with Specialist Kennedy Ladon Sanders, age 24, of Waycross, Georgia, and Specialist Brianna Alexandria Moffitt, age 23, from Savannah, Jordan, all died in Jordan. Those were the names. What was amazing to me was how the authorities felt so, just so detached from it that you actually had the press secretary saying that these soldiers died fighting for the Biden administration. <clears throat> that's not, that's not the story. They died fighting in the United States military for you and me. They don't get to pick who the commander-in-chief is going to be. Two of the soldiers were very close friends with each other, and they're just taking it one day at a time. The, the two ladies, the mother of Kennedy Sanders, as well as the mother of Brianna Moffat, they were dazed. And uh, the father said, I, I, I would say I'm proud of her. I mean, I would always let her know that I was proud of her service. I was proud of her being a young lady, a young woman, and the choices she had made so far. And we were just looking forward to years and years of being together. She was 24 years old, volunteered for the Army Reserves in 2019, where she met Brenda, or Brianna rather, Moffitt, who was a year younger in basic training, and they became close friends, serving and then dying together. <sighs> I just, you know, I, I, I get moved by the stories. You know, her mom said, uh, Francine Moffat, Brianna's mom, said the last time she talked to her, she was just checking to see if she had received the care package that she had sent her because she wanted her strawberry shortcake and her sunflower seeds and her real estate book because she was studying to become a realtor as well. She always had a smile on her face. She always loved her friends. She always loved her family. She commanded attention and she just loved life. She was definitely going to re-enlist and do one more tour because she wanted to become a sergeant and she wanted to become a, a realtor. And you look at these, these three faces, the faces of America, the faces of the, the warrior class, 
not the uh, not the faces you're going to see at the Grammy Awards tomorrow night. Or not tomorrow night, I guess it's Sunday night. We have just discussing with my producer, you know, how many WFTL listeners pay attention to the Grammy Awards. If, you know, if you, if you have to raise your hand, if you do pay attention to it, um, uh, I'm, I'm ready to count. Okay, well, well, don't see any hands. And certainly my hand is not up. But I mourn the losses. These, these men and women who do it for the love of country for a number of reasons. Definitely not for the paycheck. It's not, it's not a big enough paycheck. These are people who have other goals in life. And it always uh, amazes me that we would have KJP, the uh, press secretary, so oblivious to what they actually do and how that sacrifice is not, it's not made for the administration. You know, my thought of the day, I used a little, uh, I stole a piece from Nellie Bowles, which it's not really funny, but she has such a great sense of humor that you can play it off as funny. What she said was, when the Iran-backed militia launched a drone strike against America's soldiers and killed three of them, first, the American response was to make it clear that it was kind of our fault. There were two drones coming in, and one was our friendly drone, and one was Iran's murder drone, and in the confusion, we let the murder drone kill instead of taking down the murder drone. See, Iran didn't mean it. My bad, really. And the president took a few days to mull what to do, and then the administration released this response. U.S. officials have confirmed to CBS News that plans have been approved for a series of strikes over a number of days against targets, including Iranian personnel and facilities inside Iraq and Syria. Yeah, well, the, the key to good military strategy is to announce it loudly and clearly a week or two ahead of time. Isn't that what it says in The Art of War by Sun Tzu? I'm pretty sure. Because soon all you're going to see are empty buildings who are going to be shown what America's all about. And then a few days later, you'll see a random drone left on the desert floor is going to see into the blinking red light of a state-of-the-art weapon. And then somebody explained to the American people why, uh, why things are so bad. Oh, I know. The economy's great. I read all those same stories you did today. You would think this was the best economy that we've ever seen. I mean, Joe Biden actually said that. And you've got a, a complicit media echoing that. Now, granted, it's certainly not as bad as I thought it was going to be, considering what this administration really is responsible for, not for the brave soldiers who aren't, by the way, fighting for them. But I'm surprised at how well the economy is doing. And I, I talked to a couple of people this morning, tried to get some information out of some of the people I know that are particularly well-versed in the markets and in things of that nature. And they said, look, there were jobs added and payroll went up. 
So all of our doomsday uh, and, and negative talk, uh, thank God, didn't come to pass. And people like me, and I know Larry Kudlow and a couple of other big time uh, economists and analysts were shocked. They're shocked. You know, we thought there'd be a recession by now. But I'm perfectly willing to admit that the economy is doing better than we expected. But don't get, don't get all beside yourself because we didn't have a recession, but there's something else right under the surface that people are not talking about. You know, the economy may have grown, I think it's just slightly over 3% over the past year with core inflation moving back down you know, really heading back towards the pre-pandemic benchmark. And that's all good news for American families and American workers. However, this, uh, this is not going to last. We've got a debt that's going to cripple the future. And let's face it, we got an upcoming presidential election. So you're going to hear nothing from the media, but what a great economy this is, what a great uh, Bidenomics is great and uh, all the rest. Well, we may not have gotten our predictions right about 2023, and all I can say is thank God. The real question is, where do we go from here? Because we didn't get the recession that we were anticipating. So we, we've got to... Uh, we first and foremost, we have to watch what these economists are really up to because how do they all get it wrong? There is a gap between what we see and what we're told in the press and what we actually experience. And I, I don't understand why that gap is is so large and increasing. I'll give you a perfect example. After receiving the news this morning, reading through a number of news articles, everything from Wall Street Journal to Newsweek to everybody I could get my hands on, uh, um, what you call CNBC, Fox Business, just reading all the analysis and a lot of mea culpas. And then I had to go out to the store. So I stopped at the local supermarket and I thought, well, you know, listen, things are better and maybe I'll buy uh, my husband, that uh, that ribeye that he, he wanted so badly. I'm not going to pinch pennies. The economy's doing great. And I walk up to the uh, meat counter, and uh, you were talking $20 for a, a single, not very big steak. And I'm thinking, well, how's that working? How are people experiencing this great economy that everybody was talking about this morning when they can't afford to buy a steak? Not that you need steak to live on, but it's a great example of it's not lining up. What I hear in the media and what I see, you know, UPS laying off all those workers. How come that didn't factor in to this morning's report? As a matter of fact, I only saw a slight mention of it yesterday, right after the UPS announcement. But nobody's paying any attention to it at all. UPS is a harbinger of everything because what it means is there's less packages. And if there's less packages, there's less buying. And if there's less buying, there's gonna be less uh, you know, good numbers coming out of the retailers. Oh yeah, 
Don't think past the headline. That's what they want. Don't think past the headline. All right. Don't forget to download our app, the 850 WFTL app. That way you get everything you need right there on your cell phone or your laptop. You can join in on contests and you can get fast breaking news. As a matter of fact, on Sunday, you can find out who's winning the Grammys because it'll be right there on your app or on the website. Go to 850WFTL.com. Uh, I will be talking with Derek in the last segment of the show today and a lot more to talk about. So just stay right where you are. I'll be right back from this break. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. So, uh, you know, I'm glad. I'm glad these economic numbers look better. I'm glad to see that we're finally producing oil again. Those are all good things. But I'm really upset that it doesn't seem to equate to ease and comfort for the American people. But we'll see. You know, it's not over until the fat lady sings, as they say. Now, all of a sudden, we're hearing all of this negative stuff about the tariffs. Now, mind you, I was never pro-tariffs. That was a big falling out that I had with the president. Well, he didn't know we had a falling out, but I knew. I don't believe uh, the tariffs are ever a good idea. And when he imposed them on China and some of the other trading partners, uh, it may have been a political good move, but I don't think it was ever a good economic move. And there's a study out today that sort of backs me up. It may have gotten votes for the Republican Party, but it didn't bring back jobs. And that was ostensibly why it was done. We had tariffs on, on foreign metals and on, on washing machines and on a whole bunch of uh, goods that were coming from China. And this started in, what, 2018? And it didn't, it didn't raise or lower the number of jobs in those industries. Like, why do it unless you're going to have a result that makes it valid, worthwhile? What it did do was it had other countries ticked off and imposing their own tariffs. You know, what do you call them? Retaliatory tariffs on, on products made here. So then it was more expensive to sell our products overseas, and that had an effect on American jobs. So we'll see. Uh, you know, there everything... You don't know, let me put it to you this way. You don't know what the long-term effects on most things are going to be. You make a pretty good guess based on what you do know, all right? You have enough history to be able to make an educated guess about such things. But you're never going to be sure until a year, two years, sometimes even three and four years after you've tried something. So whether you're reading the uh, New York Times, or you're reading the Fox Business uh, news columnists, can we all agree that uh, the tariffs were never a good idea? I don't care what 
Donald Trump said, and I don't care what Larry Kudlow said, I don't care what anybody says, I am never pro-tariff, never. Because you, you always end up with uh, these kinds of results. It, it doesn't bring back jobs. We've now firmly established that. I don't think we have to question it any longer. We, they will, anyway. Big headline today was that uh, the president apparently has used some very colorful language when talking about the former president, Donald Trump, which doesn't surprise me. I don't know why people seem to think that uh, Joe Biden is some sort of um, mealy mouth sweetheart of a guy. Never was, never will be. And what he says behind closed doors is probably exactly what was reported in Politico today that he has a reputation for salty language behind closed doors. With Donald Trump, the salty language is not just behind closed doors. He'll say it right out loud. But apparently when he was given that speech last month at Valley Forge, which was, he said, the anniversary of the insurrection, um, he got all kinds of animated. And when he does that, when he gets very animated, he like throws caution to the wind. And he not only attacked Donald Trump, which is fair game, but then he attacked all of Donald Trump's followers. And basically, he encourages us to not get along. He encourages Democrats to hate Trump supporters. And, and that's so bizarre to me. He doesn't even he doesn't even mince his words apparently in private though. He calls him a well, I can't say it on the air, but it's a sick and then the F word. He says, who delights in others' misfortunes. According to one of the people who has spoken with the president, Biden recently said of Trump, What a effing asshole Oh, I can't. This is really it's more than colorful. The White House is declining to comment on these colorful explosions. Well, it's amazing to me that he wants to talk about his disgust towards the previous president and he, the threat to the nation's democracy. And I get it. He's never made, you know, it's never been secret that he hates Donald Trump, but there's a, there's a sort of a decorum that's generally followed. If you want to call him crooked Trump, that's one thing. But when you start throwing around the F and the this and the that, it's not, it's not only not very presidential, it's not very, it's not classy at all. He thinks that Donald Trump gets worse and worse with time. And he pulls out some of these old stories that really, like last time I checked, it wasn't Donald Trump who attacked Paul Pelosi, but somehow that's a big deal and has to do with what Donald Trump talks about. Well, then will it be true if someone goes after, let's say Steve Scalise, who claims to be a liberal Democrat, let's say a supporter of Bernie Sanders, can we spend the next 10 years Talking about how, you see, that's what they are. That's what they're all about. No, we're not even allowed to ever mention it again. 
I think it's appropriate for them to go after other politicians. But I think it gets a little, little rough for the American public when they start going after family members. You know, the guy who attacked Paul Pelosi's been convicted. You know, and no, he didn't get away with anything. And I just, you know, I don't remember Donald Trump uh, letting loose with the string of expletives when that happened about Bernie Sanders supporters. It just it didn't happen. But trust me, this will go completely unnoticed except on occasionally on talk radio. I did want to, two people, uh, I got notification of two people passing today. One was Joe Madison, who is someone that I've worked with. Uh, I remember the last time I was with Joe was at a, a, a panel. I participated in a panel at Hillsdale on talk radio. And Joe Madison is one of the few liberals who's, who had a talk radio program for decades. A great guy, uh, an amazing wit, uh, very smart. And apparently Joe passed on January 31st, I guess it was day before yesterday, after a battle with cancer. I knew something was up because he had never, I don't think that guy ever missed a show. And he'd been off the air a couple of weeks so you knew that uh, that it was serious, and he did pass, and Carl Withers passed. Now, I know that my son is definitely in heavy-duty mourning today. When he comes on the show, the, the one thing he's going to want to mention is the passing of Carl Weathers, because... You know, he was the Rocky star. He was 76 years old, and uh, I don't, And he was in The Mandalorian, right? I think that was his most recent soiree with star, stardom again. Um, but, you know, when you think about Carl Weathers, you think about Apollo Creed. And he was such, they were such, you think about them together. When I think about Rocky, I think about Apollo Creed. There were a lot of other villains that he got to box, but it was Carl Weathers that you remember. And of course, I do believe Creed is supposed to be the son of Apollo, right? Well, that would make sense. That's why his name would be Creed, right? So it's like a, it's a perpetual part of the Rocky films. Anyway, he was an actor, a director, and he actually was a football linebacker. And that's, uh, that's something I did not remember, but apparently that is part of his story. Anyway, let me take a break. Stay right where you are. I have one more segment before Derek joins us. And then, of course, we'll do a little uh, walk down Celebrity Lane, especially in light of the upcoming Grammys, although he made me promise that I would not talk about Taylor Swift because I think most of us are just had just about enough of Tay-Tay. So stay right where you are. I'll be right back. So he's not a nice guy. None of them are nice. And <laughs> I love how, remember during the days when Donald Trump was president, and they would say, oh, he's taken his marching orders from Sean Hannity or Tucker Carlson. They always had like a mouthful of uh, 
Fox News is running the presidency. And I'm sure that in many ways he was listening to those programs. But apparently, uh, I can hear every word. Apparently, uh, our new president is obsessed with Morning Joe, which really proves that he is a doofus. Because Joe Scarborough has to be one of the least interesting uh, and absolutely least knowledgeable person. And he actually sat in Congress. He was a Florida congressman. But they, they, um, they book White House aides onto the Morning Joe show between 7 and 7.40 in the morning. Why? Because that's when the president is watching. <laughs> he loves MSNBC's morning show. And it definitely uh, colors the way he approaches certain subjects. He calls the host, who's, by the way, a former Republican congressman, although now we all know he was never really, he was a rhino at best and probably not even. Um, he calls him to get his take on issues. And then he, uh, you know, he tells him how bad the coverage is by the media. Can you imagine, like, Really? You think you got bad coverage? They suck up to you at every single news gathering agency. During the day, he will ask his staff, Joe Biden will ask his staff, whether they saw a particular story or a particular segment or a particular poll results on that show. And he has all these conversations with so-called policy experts, he found them by watching the show. Now, this is a guy who's been in Washington for decades. And that's where he's getting his advice from people who are guests or even staffers at MSNBC, like Mike Barnacle or Richard Haas or John Meacham. I mean, John Meacham at least can write a speech. But Mike Barnacle? And then, of course, apparently the VP, Kamala Harris, well, she watches Morning Joe. She and the second gentleman actually had Mika and Joe over the other day. <laughs> uh, Kamala Harris apparently also tunes into the Fox News and watches The Five. Now, I find that hard to believe, but let's say it's true. That must just get her motor running because they're, they're pretty, their coverage is not particularly friendly to the Biden administration. But maybe she enjoys being smacked on the head. I don't know. Now, of course, because the president watches Morning Joe all the time, all of his aides have to watch the show too because otherwise they won't know what he's talking about because <laughs> he quotes things from the show. He asks questions based on what he sees on the show. One of his aides, Steve Reschetti, must watch the entire show 
because every time he talks to the president, he talks about something he saw on the show. Axios was told by a White House official that many of his top staff members think the show is the only one that gives him a fair shake on issues. Are they kidding? I mean, with the exception of the hot mic catching uh, Joy Joyless Reed the other day saying something negative about Joe Biden, most of their coverage is very favorable. Does anybody actually think that Rachel Madcow says anything negative about this administration? Not on your life. And didn't she retire? I'm so confused. I remember at some point they were like in a panic because she had the highest rated show on MSNBC, MSLSD, and she was retiring. And they didn't know what they were going to do. But every time I'm scrolling through the hot spots from the night before, because that's how I basically watch these new shows, is I go to an aggregate website that tells me what the big moments were on all of the shows that take place on Fox, MSNBC, and CNN between 6 p.m. and, say, 11 p.m. You know, it's easier to do it that way. And it's pretty even-handed if I do it that way because I actually see more liberal stuff than I do conservative stuff, although I would consider the Fox network now, it's not even middle of the road. They lean to the left as well. But... <laughs> It's unbelievable to me that they do, they bend over backwards to give access to the president and the vice president on that station. They, they let, um, what, whatchamacallit, uh, Mika Brzezinski do an interview with Kamala Harris. Like, I didn't even know that Kamala Harris ever did, gave interviews. Well, that's because she doesn't. The only time she does is like on NPR or, I don't know, I think maybe she did a TED Talk or something. But you never hear from her. I never hear, I've never seen either one of them on Fareed Zakaria's show. Although Joe Biden says the only other show he watches besides Morning Joe is uh, GPS, which is Fareed Zakaria's show on CNN on Sundays. But, uh, you know, this is the era. We had Donald Trump, who was obsessed with Fox and Friends and Hannity. We had ba Barack Obama, who would do nothing but read The New Yorker and The Atlantic for his news. And now you got uh, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris uh, watching Scarborough, Brzezinski, and Barnacle. <laughs> oh, my goodness. This is, a, this is the modern world. Anyway, don't forget, coming up after me is Eric Erickson, followed by Joe Paggs and then Lars Larson, and then we're officially in the weekend. And boy, do I need a weekend. I'm sure you do as well. Derek will be joining me in the next segment, so don't touch that dial. We'll be right back. They say that the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. But in the case of Derek Kaufman, the apple rolled all the way to L.A. The one thing Derek and his mother share in common, however, is the love for breaking news. TMZ is breaking news faster than the New York Times. So sit back and enjoy the news from Hollywood as only the Kaufman family can bring it. Well, I can tell you right now that my son is in a deep, deep state of mourning today because there are two 
characters in the movies that he is just so addicted to. One of them would be Rocky and the other would be Apollo Creed. I'm so sorry, Derek. I know how you feel. Yeah, you know, it's been a very, very difficult Friday to learn news that Carl Weathers had passed away at the age of 76. I mean, you know it's no overstatement to say that this has been the most important film franchise of my life. I have posters uh, on my walls to this day, and he is the engine of that movie. And, um, you know, losing him, you know, the franchise lost Burt Young, uh, last October, who played Pauly, and now to lose Apollo Creed is just a devastating loss for fans. Um, but, you know, Carl Weathers was more than just Apollo Creed. He was right. he had a big, big film career. You know, he was in Predator alongside the other big action hero of, of the 80s, Arnold Schwarzenegger. He had his own action franchise with Action Jackson. Um, and, you know, when I in 1996, when the Happy Gilmore came out, he was introduced to a whole new legion of fans in the Adam Sandler movie. He played Chubbs in that movie. So he's just an incredible guy. We would get him out. He was always so charismatic, so friendly and just flashed that sort of charisma. He just had it. And this is a this is a very sad day. Hey, listen, I know how you are. Uh, people should know Derek's uh, his wedding was a la Rocky. I mean, I think he walked down the aisle to the theme to Rocky, and there was Rocky and Adrian with the two people on the top of the wedding cake. So, Oh, he, your table. You probably sat at the Apollo table. We I named did. all of the dinner tables after characters from the movie. My cake topper was, was a Rocky cake topper. You're right. We walked out to the music, to a string quartet of the, of the, of the theme music. So, yeah, yeah, this is a very, very big loss for me personally, and I also think it'll resonate quite broadly. I mean, people love the Rocky franchise, and remember, he was the villain of the first yeah. movie, but he was so good that he had Ends up starring alongside Stallone in the next uh, three movies until he's he's killed in Rocky Four. Spoiler alert if you haven't seen Rocky Four. <laughs> Everybody's seen it by now. And of course, now the franchise continues with his name, with Creed, uh, only it's Michael Jordan. That's right, Michael B. Jordan sort of filling those big shoes as the son of Apollo Creed. That's how big that character was, is that they've spun off another. There's already been, you know, three three movies of the Creed franchise. So it just gives you a sense that, uh, you know, Carl Weathers' presence will loom quite large um, for a long time. And he was in The Mandalorian. Not that I ever watched that, but that was a big hit, too. Oh, absolutely. He's in the Star Wars franchise. I mean, this is a guy who is, is in the universe of a lot of the biggest pieces of pop culture of the past five decades. I mean, you know, Rocky, he's touched the Star Wars franchise. He's in the Predator movies. This is a, this is a very big figure in film history. And, you know, he, was, he, was a, he used to play football. The guy played seven games for the Oakland Raiders. So what, what a career, what a life. Yeah, I did not know that until I read it on TMZ today, that he was a linebacker, so... Listen. Yeah, he was built like it, man. That's that's why he was so perfect as Apollo Creed because you had the hulking sort of slow-footed Stallone and this very gifted, athletic, chiseled guy uh, just popping jabs in his face. Yeah. Well, Darius Rucker. I mean, what's that story? It doesn't. It's not getting a lot of coverage, but it's certainly a big story. Yeah, this is a very big deal. So, you know, Darius Rucker from Hootie and the Blowfish also had a big, big solo career. 
Um, last year in February, he was pulled over for expired tags, and the cops say, you know, he had a THC vape pen in his car, and he had a bunch of pills. And these pills turned out to be um, basically the, the the drug in magic mushrooms, so some psychedelics that you know are very very trendy these days. Mm-hmm. They had to test them uh, to determine what those pills were, so they had to go get an arrest warrant. And he was uh, booked yesterday on a couple of misdemeanor charges. I don't think it'll be that big of a deal ultimately but you know his ex-girlfriend uh sort of took some glee in him getting arrested they have some bad blood between them where she suffered a drug overdose uh survived it and didn't think he was very supportive so she she tweeted hey this is karma so he's having to deal with that on top of his his legal issues wow and now j-lo is going to be on what is it saturday night live and the as the musical guest, but the host of Saturday Night Live is someone who has attacked her in the past. Yeah, this is an interesting story, and it's starting to pick up some steam. So Ayo Adebri, who is in The the Bear, she's she's great. She's a real rising star. That television show won a bunch of awards um, at the Emmys, and it's a, it's a great show. So she's on the rise. She's going to be on SNL as the host, and J-Lo is the musical guest. But someone dug up an old podcast where she was talking about J-Lo being basically a scam artist because she's not – that good at singing and she would have ghost singers come in and and you know cover uh cover up for her sort of you know shortcomings in the voice department you know she brands herself as a triple threat j-lo's always been an actor Mm -hmm. a dancer and a singer and this was her kind of getting trashed by someone who she now has to be the musical guest on her episode of snl so we'll have to see how this plays out yeah that's that's going to be an odd moment but you know what these people um, when they get to their own level of fame, everything is forgiven and forgotten. I think that's right. And look, this was a this was someone talking on a podcast. She wasn't intending to sort of really drag her. It's, it's said in the in the spirit of the podcast. They're just having fun with it. But I don't know if J Lo will have uh, have some more words, or we'll have to see. I think they're going to have to patch this up. Yeah. Well, listen. Uh, and if they if they have to to go on with the show, then they will. Final Well, one of the final questions I'm going to ask you is Wendy Williams. I mean, I never could figure out how she got as big as she did, as quickly as she did. Like she went from nowhere to 100 in 30 seconds. But now apparently the bottom has fallen out completely. Yeah, it's really sad. You know, she was on top of the world for a long time. She had a big, big talk show. She was flush with money. And then um, some health issues sort of crept up. And now there's a documentary coming out where she's talking about her financial hardships. Um, and it's really just sad. There's a there's a trailer out about it, and it shows she's become a bit reclusive, and she's saying she has no money now, um, you know, and, and she's letting the tears flow a little bit. So people are concerned about her. We see her from time to time, and there's something a little bit sad about how far she's she's fallen from have being sort of the top of the world and having this big big show she's had some issues with her her ex-spouse um and maybe some health concerns and you can see them in the documentary she sort of bulges her eyes out at various times looks a bit confused i think it's going to generate a lot of interest because there are people who just love and miss wendy williams and she left in a bit of a a haze of kind of controversy and confusion at the time so we'll have to see what this documentary shows us Right. And apparently, um, you know, there was some questions at the end of her career about addiction and all that other stuff, which is pretty common in these in these stars lives. I just like I said, I don't know where she came from. Like, where did she get her start? (laughs) 
Wendy Williams was a big figure in like the early days of of hip hop, or sort of like when I was a kid, she would get these great interviews. And went before before hip hop was sort of mainstream, she would uh, interview a lot of important people in that world. And I I mm. followed the music, so I was very into it. So I knew Wendy Williams as that kind of figure. And then she broadened out and became just sort of a talk show host. Um, and she was always a bit uh, sassy. Uh, you know, mm. she wasn't sort of doing kind of Oprah touchy feely stuff. She would sort of state her opinion pretty plainly. And so she would generate a lot of news that way. All right. Well, thanks for coming on board. I hope you have a great weekend. Anything special planned? Oh, you know, more basketball games. We're trying to get Nixie to work on her crossover. So <laughs> so by the time you see her, she'll be breaking ankles out there on the basketball court. There you go. All right. Love to all. Thanks for coming on. All right. Take care. All right. And that pretty much does it for me this week. I thank you for your time this time until next time. And of course, my plan is to be back here on Monday at 3 o'clock, if it be his will, and he delays his coming. Remember that what lies behind us and what lies ahead of us are tiny matters compared to what lies within us. So wherever you are, just be yourself. Everybody else is taken. I still have to wonder, like, where did Wendy Williams actually come from? But anyway, um, that does it for me. May God bless you. May God bless Israel. And may God bless the United States of America. See you on Monday. The Joyce Kaufman Podcast has been brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com.